You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louie yes 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely Today we interview Christian Swenson. He's a dancer, a vocalist, and an amazing dude. We talked to him a little bit about where he came up with his unique style of performing, where he's performed it at, and how he came to the Moisture Festival. It's an exciting interview. You're going to love it. Absolutely. Let's get to it. Well, we have another great guest in the Moisture Festival podcast studio. We have the man, Christian Swenson. And if you're not familiar with Christian's work, it's a fusion of dance, drama, music, singing. He uses his body and voice, and he's created a, his own sort of genre of performing called human jazz. I had to come up with some kind of name for it. People kept going, what do you call this that you're doing? And so... In coming up with questions, I was at a coffee shop trying to come up with questions, mm. researching you, and I showed your promo video to the barista, <laughs> and I said, <laughs> what, what would you ask this guy? She's like, I don't know. I said, well, what do you think he does? She goes, it looks like he's scatting and then sign language interpreting himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. They did have a sign language interpreter one time at a show I was doing. I was, this is kind of weird because I'm just going to be doing it for you all over my body. That's, that's, that's kind of what it is. It's kind of what yeah. it is. It's kind of what it is. Like, what do you, how do you play the two instruments at once when it's just music? And we're, and is the music coming out of the body? Is the body responding to the voice, what the voice is doing? And sometimes it's all happening at the same time, and that's kind of divine. So what's your definition of human jazz? Oh, it's it's improvising simultaneously with the body and the voice. And that could go into music, it could go into theater, it could go into you know, poetry, it could go into a song. 
But it's re- it, I really tried to just strip down the human instrument and go, well, if you were just going to perform all by yourself, unlike the mime training I had, which was all silent, and the idea is that you can do the whole world in just just all by yourself, an autonomous performer, what if you had the voice and then you, uh. Uh, you have... Uh, you have an incredible vocal instrument, and what if you start dancing what you're singing, and what if you start singing the dancing you're doing, or what if you're turning in, what if you're morphing into creatures and characters and you head off in a dramatic place, uh, and then you put this in front of children, and they're (laughs) they're like, what is this? This is what I do in my bedroom all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, there's that sense. I mean, I spent years performing for kids and realized, and just early on realized that there, I have some kind of magic with this. When you when you improvise like this with with just the human instrument, like it goes directly into their bodies and they respond accordingly. You don't have an agenda like, I'm going to teach you about bullying by doing this. No, because they can smell that coming away. Yeah, away. yeah. And so you just... It's, it, what you do is very authentic. Yeah, it's just play. It's it's serious play mm-hmm. with just those two in, with those two instruments. I do. I think human jazz is like the perfect description of what you do. I came it, up it with is. it. I came up with it, and then I thought, well, it's improvised like jazz, but it's jazz is such a heady kind of term. Well, it's like you have a baseline, right? It's like you have your instrument, which w- is your mm-hmm, body mm-hmm. and your sound, and then you do. You go out there and you play, and you what the audience gives you, and you know, like a lot of jazz, mm-hmm. they start somewhere. They mm-hmm. have something they want to do, yeah. and then you're open you to what's you're like. I imagine when there's kids, it's like it's you're, a whole other energy. Kids, it's a whole other energy. Though I was just last year's performing for you know 95, 99% grown ups, mm-hmm. and it was such a treat not have to to not have to be funny. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. take the you know take the music seriously, take the movement stuff seriously, yeah. and really just go into that exploration. Just going back, like mm. you. Are you didn't grow up here in the Northwest? You do you grow up on the East I, Coast? I grew up in New Hampshire. I grew okay. up in Concord, New Hampshire, <laughs> and had never seen dancing, had never seen ballet or anything. Um, I was uh, planning to be a marine zoologist. I wanted to be a shark scientist. Oh, cool! Ah, All wow. the way through high school. And just, I can remember, I think I shoplifted a book about shark attacks when yeah. I was in eighth grade. As you I just had to As do you that. Should. I, think, I don't and think anyone's ever bought a book on shark attacks. <laughs> I would have bought it if I thought about it, but I was in that phase where I'm going to see how many books I can fit in the back of my coat. And then I hit uh, freshman year college, planning to go into marine zoology, and tried to take calculus. And it was just like walking into a brick wall. Oh, jeez. Uh. And I'm not going to go You have to know calculus? You had to do that to continue in the sciences back then. So I dropped that class and I had a girlfriend at the time who I saw in a modern dance concert with UNH Dance Theater and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. It's music and there's people moving around kind of like when you go to a dance and you're Mm -hmm. dancing but there's something else going on. You know, the whole art aspect went way over my head Mm -hmm. and about a year later I came down out of the mountains with these trail crew buddies I was working with in the mountains, and we saw a movie called That's Entertainment in the local town theater. And I had never seen 
Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire or Donald O'Connor. This is a movie that was just nothing but clips of famous old musicals from uh-huh. the 30s through the 50s. Uh-huh. To see at that at age 20, 21, to see Singing in the Rain for the first time. And then we go outside and it's sleeting out and there's a gazebo <laughs> across the street and we're all spinning around in our oh, lumberjack that's... clothes and singing and <laughs> flying around. And I just went back to, to college and went, I'm going into theater and I'm going to try a dance class and bingo. Wow, just, you yeah, found so it. I went. And so do I, you feel that starting formal dance in college, you were a latecomer to it? You know, for uh, if you were going into ballet, yeah. But okay. at, that, at that era in the, the mid-70s, a lot of the guys, there were so few guys in dance. Yeah. That... The lumberjack dance the, class didn't quite take off. No, it, it, uh, no, it just, uh, yeah, I walked into a room. I had grown up with no sisters. I went to an all-boys boarding school, and suddenly there I was in a room with 25 young women in their tights and leotards and me in my gym shorts. And <laughs> I'm going, wow, this is an interesting class to be in. <laughs> and the teacher just immediately saw, you know, she took a lot of attention, put of a lot course. of attention to me from yeah. a guy in class, and I just, I just saw uh, Really, well, that's the right time. It. My mom loved made it. me go to ballet class when I was like in the fifth grade because mm-hmm. I was an athlete, and she's like, "Well, all yeah. professional athletes, you know, mm-hmm. they take." Mm-hmm. But that was not the right yeah, time that's, for that's me. A it was time. it that's was very challenging. Time. It's like because you're right. The teacher saw that there was a boy, I'm the only mm-hmm. boy, and like a lot of attention. I was so far behind mm-hmm. the females in the class, yep. and that I just yep. dropped out like immediately. A total dork. And modern dance was definitely a, le- a easier thing. It didn't require the presence, the ballet. I mean, I started taking ballet about six months later, and then I jazz, and I fell in with a whole lot of mimes. There, fell in with the mimes back. It was you a thing back it. then. It's a slippery slope, man. <laughs> and I, I realized right away that oh, mime, this is something you can do when you get older because it didn't. Yeah. it wasn't like leaping all over the place. It was much more articulated, smaller movements. And I, and immediately I realized, oh, this is where I can do animal stuff. You know, and then the, the zoologist in me. Just oh yeah, that's where the T Rex impersonation the T-Rex comes came from. And back then there so, was only claymation dinosaurs so when i started doing dinosaurs then i saw jurassic park for the first time and it was just download <laughs> download because this is the kind of information i loved as a as a sort of naturalist a dance zoologist that yeah I am. well the yeah. t-rex you know you have the appendages you're so close yeah. to it you, you know. just i like i think and also my love of sharks just of, of high-end predators I like bringing the wilderness to the yeah. stage in the sense that, especially even with kids, to have them know, like, it is, you can, it's, this is the, f- the original story is who's going to eat who. Well, and it's, <laughs> it, it is true. And you play, everyone yeah, relates yeah, play. to that, to whether. Who's going to eat who? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. At a, yeah. On a it, primal level. Yeah. 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 Middle school. <laughs> yeah. <It's laughs> absolutely. You know, like, you, yeah. Yeah. Cruel. Dating. Dating, you know. mm-hmm. family, siblings. Corporate job, not yes. that I would know. <laughs> so you, you started doing dance in college, and then you sort of fell in mimes, and then is that when you – when did you see this as like a – Then Well, I, I, not till I moved out to Seattle uh, and had discovered this man I was told about back in New Hampshire named Bill Evans, and he had a, a company out here and was training dancers – and I saw his company, and I thought, oh, I did a workshop with him. And this is I tried New York right after college, and this is really good. But Seattle and what the Bill Evans company had to offer was way more interesting, and the location was so less aggressive than and New York City. Did you come out here because Bill and Evans I was out here? I moved out here. Well, I I 
came out here for a summer job in Alaska in the fish business, and then I came back through Seattle, had some money in my pocket, took a workshop at the Bill Evans Company, and thought, oh, man, yeah, this is way better. And went home, packed up my bags, got on a trailways bus, and rode out here. And within six months, got a job with the company. Oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. It was, I wrote up, I remember finding the postcard I wrote to my dad. I feel like a walking success story. <laughs> I have a job <laughs> as a modern dancer. And I could pay rent. And and your dad was like, hey, cool. Dad's like, That's really good. That's I'm, you're supposed to be a lumberjack. Yeah. Supposed to be a lumberjack or a shark <laughs> doctor. Fisherman. He was a good man. He did, really supported me. Going into the arts and all That's that. That's great. Which was great. Uh, I, then I, I was out here, and in 79, I did a workshop with one of the company members, uh, composition improvisation workshop. He told the class to do a study of textures in sound and movement. I'm thinking, textures? You know, it's like, you know? Yeah. And suddenly I started playing, and I realized, oh my God, this is what I did when I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old and make sound effects. Uh-huh. And I'd, I'd forgotten all about that the art of that and combining that then with the mime stuff and everything and I just did this created this piece I performed for years that Bill Evans wanted to buy from me and it was a two and a half minute weird loud mime piece (laughs) (laughs) he's the best talking mime I ever seen Uh, um, and then I just I took I, I started doing that and then I started playing around with singing some songs and dancing the songs like modern dance and singing Old Man River. Like, wow, what is that? Yeah. And then trying some other songs and thinking, well, is it like jazz? What am I doing? Am I, am I trying to mime the songs? No, I don't want to do that. That would be redundant. Yeah. So what am I doing? The background music on my body visually, what am I doing? And many years of practice and pulling things apart and getting some grants, some fellowships from uh, local organizations, national organizations. Yeah, I saw you got a grant for the National Endowment for the Arts. Basically, they give you money and say, keep up the good work. Yeah. Keep doing this. And there's no project We don't know what you're doing, but we want to fund you. Uh, You don't know what you're doing either, but (laughs) see if you can figure it out. We like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? When you do apply for the National Endowment for the Arts, what do you 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 fill out forms, tell them about yourself, the bio, and you write sort of the what your interests what your interests are and what you're I suppose working on, and then they send someone out to watch you perform. Oh wow, uh, pressure is on. So you don't know who, and maybe you hear from someone in the house manager. Oh, there's someone from the NEA here tonight or something. Uh. But I remember I was performing it on the boards back when Allegro Dance Festival was doing their thing. And I think I heard about it. And my, I think my wife was in the audience. She was pregnant and just about to give birth. And I had to make some announcement. I might have to interrupt the show and go help my wife have a baby and <laughs> something like this. But, um, anyways, yeah. The grant was very exciting. Did they meet you after and say, No, congratulations. They just disappear sir. and they write a report. Oh, wow. I don't know. You know, you don't know what they say. That was almost the exact same experience I had getting into the Moisture Festival. I was in the uh, show. Uh-huh. And someone's like, You'd be great in the Moisture Festival. And then Tim shows up and he's like, Hey, I'm with the Moisture Festival. I'm leaving right after your act. And then I never. <laughs> don't mess up. Don't mess up. <laughs> Do your best stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I suppose it's good that way. I suppose it's like a restaurant reviewer or something. They sneak in and disguise. I think it is better when they sneak in. Like the only times I get nervous, mm-hmm. honestly, is when people I know are in the audience because I think. Yeah it's because I have to see them again. Mm. If I do mess up, I have yeah. to face their opinion yeah. about what yeah. I just did. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Well, now, let's kind of swing over. How did you get into the Moisture Festival? Um, I 
was friends with the Karamazov brothers through the New Old Time Chautauqua. Mm. And I met them through Sandy Bradley, who used to run a radio show in town called Sandy Bradley's Potluck on KUOW. And she had me come and dance, sing on the radio (laughs) for her show a couple times. And she said, you would be great on the Chautauqua. I think she'd been with them a few times. It's a summer tour that happens after the Oregon Country Fair. Karamazov Brothers used to get together with the other performers and put together a traveling show and take it off for two weeks and travel around the rural northwest and perform and do workshops and do parades and this and that. And I did a, a couple, three of these, brought my five-year-old daughter with me. Oh, that's it was cool, just man. like life with the gypsies. Yeah. <laughs> so fun, so wonderful, good people. Crazy, wonderful people. <laughs> no one makes any money, but we have a wonderful time. And that's so they saw you perform at the country fair, maybe? Or I don't know. I think they just took Sandy Bradley's word for it. Oh, cool. And, there you go. And I must have done the Chautauqua. And then I've, that's that's how I got to know Tim and all that. And, and so then when, when the Moisture Festival... Festival started, Tim and I knew Ron through the, the you know, all of these people and other. Uh, the other when they first started, they mm-hmm. said, "Call me up." Said, "How like cool to do this thing? We're starting this festival." Were you in the sure. first one? I think so. Yeah, six. Yeah, sixteen I, years yeah. ago. Yeah, the time. So, and not only did you perform with them in the Chautauqua, you also did the New York Improvisation Festival with um, the Caramazza Brothers, or no, 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 no. I did the. Uh, uh, there was a Rolling Thunder review that they maybe they had something to do with. I did. I did in New York. The most exciting was the Serious Fun at Lincoln Center. Oh, cool. Um, where I got first mention in this review, glowing review by Anna Kisselgoff. It's one of those things, when you get this, like, okay, now I have some publicity, yeah, some promo yeah. stuff. This is good stuff. It's not Aunt um, Mary saying you were amazing. No, it was not Aunt Mary saying <laughs> I did a lot of touring around the rural Northwest and beyond, and you get these quotes from someone who says, oh, this 85-year-old woman came up to me afterwards, and she said, and doesn't he have a marvelous backside? <laughs> <laughs> that's the quote right that's, there. That's, that's you like, using your promo. Who needs the New yeah, York Times? I know, the fifth grader in Yakima. Like, I don't know what he does. Didn't quite understand it, but but he's the best. (laughs) I think we should continue to fund this, the six-year-old says. (laughs) He's almost there. (laughs) He's almost there. He's almost to the peak. (laughs) Now, are there other people that do what you do? You know, occasionally I meet people who do dances who work with their voice, but mostly they're doing words and they're talking about it or they're making sounds and it's not musical sound, really. It's not singing. Then I meet some singers who are moving around a bunch, but they're not really actors. They don't have any acting experience. You know, so it's it's rarely if I met people, we can go to the studio together and boom, we are off mm-hmm. and we can improvise right off the bat like we know where we each are going. That's amazing. Together. Yeah, it's very exciting. And so you've, I mean, you've studied with a million people. Like you yeah, got I, training from Tony Montanaro. Yeah, he Diane. was the mime up in Maine. A big, a big influence in the mimes all over the Northeast. Yeah. And then Diane Schenker out of Cornish did clown work with her early on. That was pretty scary. Ruth Zipporah. Ruth Zipporah does action theater, which is a, a, a blend. Is like what I do. Um, and yet it doesn't involve as much music, some sort of like vocal music. Um, I was hugely influenced by Bobby McFerrin, never studied oh. with him, but have performed with him a couple of days. He invites people up on the stage oh, and come cool. up and just sort of like 
Sure. You, I'm going to sing you dance. I go, no problem. <laughs> you know, you studied, dance. I might be saying this, a Korean shaman, uh-huh. Park. Is it, is it Kor- Park. Is it Korean? It's a Korean. She was a Korean shaman, but she practiced uh, years ago. Um, after I'd been doing this work for quite a while and fascinated by what is going on in my, by the neurochemistry and what is the history of the human as a performer and the actor it goes back towards shamanism and I started reading about this and then up comes someone leaves a magazine at our house and this woman is on the cover and I read about it and it's like what is this woo woo and then it says she's working with movement and voice and you know in performance and doing trance dance and I thought well call her up find out when did a workshop with her down in Santa Monica then did another week long training thing with her in Chaco Canyon with these people out in the desert (laughs) and it was really interesting work I didn't need to continue with what she was doing but it was sort of validation that what that this work can go really absolutely is really ancient and then uh, one that caught my eye was the late Pakistani master singer Mm. Nusrat Fatih Ali Khan Khan. I was just he came up on my playlist just on the way over here (laughs) and uh, he I began listening to his music because I was on the New World Times Chautauqua with Steve Bernstein, this amazing trumpeter from New York City. He was part of the band uh-huh. back then. And he started, he turned me on to this, and the Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan's Kuali music. And it's like gospel music from Sufi, oh, Islamic wow. gospel music. Cool. And... It also reminded me of jam band music where they, they would all just take off uh, and they would do these songs that would last for 20 minutes uh, and they would improvise these solos, and the, but it's all singing. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. And then I found out he was coming to the UW to teach some classes. Cause, uh, and so I found out quickly how to join as a <laughs> non-matriculated student and get in his oh, classes yeah. and suddenly you're sitting in the same room with this master singer and you cannot believe that you just get to sit there and sing with him. So, you know, it's only about about six or eight classes with him. Still, still, that's... Still, it was so... Well, it's just fascinating, just you taking aspects Mm -hmm. of different performers and, you know, different... Performance styles mm-hmm. and, and different blending things that, into I'm, what that I'm really pulled towards. You know, as a singer, there was something about the praise singing that that happens with that. It's like gospel music here. It's that kind of that kind yeah. of thing, um, and yet it's from a completely different culture. And yet there's so much. It's very much, it's the human voice just reaching out. Do you ever put the New Hampshire style music in your... <laughs> in your... I sing simple gifts often. <laughs> and take my way, take that, take off on the the old shaker tunes. Oh, gifts. nice. Yeah. You, you perform with the Seattle Symphony. You perform with Bill Irwin. Yeah, that was when his largely New York show, when he was workshopping it here at the Rep. Oh, wow. Um, so years you... ago, before it went to Broadway, I couldn't, I decided, no, I'm not going to go to Broadway for six months because I have a small family yeah. here. So I threw my friend Chris Davis oh, that's in the nice. role. He looks just like me, and off he went. Yeah, the, symph- the symphony had me come in and do some family show stuff with them. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was really fun. So you, are you working with a, the live symphony? They, they have a conductor, and you're, you discuss what pieces you're going to do and how I'm going to interact with the music, music, and, you know, whether it's Flight of the Bumblebee, and I come in with this crazy mask character getting chased oh. around the oh, house. Cool. <laughs> um, Is there, like, a, an improv motion that he's like, okay, now to take it, you know? No, like, I don't really recall. It was more this thing, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how I embody characters that I hear in the music, that music sounds like a character, and this is how it comes out in my body here. 
that kind of thing. To sort of just in, inspire kids to go, look, just let your bodies go well, with this music. Well, what kind does it come of, that's up interesting you? to think yeah. about, right? Like mm-hmm. this song is a, could be a person, and if you were that person, how would mm-hmm. that song manifest yeah. in your movement? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. There's some wonderful old, you know, some wonderful Mazorsky, these gnomish things with the things about witches and you know, these they write the music to sound like the shape of these yeah. things. Yeah. So it sounds like almost you're, when you do a show, it's not just me performer, you audience. So it, it is a lot like that, but then at the later half, I mean, I, I wanted to find a way to almost be like a folk singer. They were going to do a song, and then they're going to just talk to the audience, tell a story, do this and that, and then do another piece, and then do another, talk some more, and make it informal that way. Uh, largely so that I could perform it without a lot of fancy lighting. I could just just turn on the lights and I'm just going to do this thing. Yeah. At the end, I would do the word improvisations where I'd have the audience suggest, give me a word. And I'm going to like make something up with oh, it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'd do maybe five or six of those. Like a regular improv. I need a yeah. person, place, or thing. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. But just a word was... That's cool. Really so good. like yeah. Apple... Sweet and the. No, just a word. <laughs> oh, the. You know, so you could, yeah, then you get the middle schooler who go, do the. And so the, <laughs> then you, sure. Do a. And then you'd like to do a lot of time with your tongue between your lips. Yeah, when, when kids are watching it, I imagine they're partly connecting with the idea that that is like me. I, I did that as a kid, or sometimes I imagine like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, yeah. I don't understand what mm-hmm. he's trying to do. Won't he stop it and teach me about bullying? <laughs> I wonder if, if, if uh, teachers probably, how, how do you help the kids talk about this? Or you, you know, but being able to talk with them as I'm doing it or begin and do like a few minutes of human jazz and then stop and go, any questions? And these, <laughs> you know, let the kids just, ah, what do you yeah. call that? What is it? I don't yeah. know. It's like, what do you, is it like that? And then hilarious. interview the, uh, oh, them yeah. about it and take go off. And do some That's more. interesting. So, yeah. So instead of them asking you, like, what do you think of what I'm doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how would you describe this? <laughs> you do the TED Talk on yeah. about my show. <laughs> you do my yeah. TED Talk. Talk I for suppose me. what you want it to be like that you're not gonna explain it. They're gonna you're gonna go home and show your parents yeah, what this was. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the parents calling the school. What sort of show did my kid said that <laughs> I'm he sure was, it happened. He just took I'm the sure word the happened. and talked for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is Morphoman? That was a a school show website title. After a while, I had an agent up in Canada. Uh, who thought human jazz was just too adult-sounding a, a term for a kid's show. To try and sell huh. a kid's show, we can need to come up with another term. And so I came up with Morpho Man. But it's, it's the like, same thing. It's the same. It ended up being the same. Morpho Man. Morpho Man.com. Oh, that's the cool. Thing. I, I just let the website go, just thinking, okay, I, you know, I'm 66. I don't really need to do school shows yeah. anymore. Yeah. But, uh was um, Morpho was, Man like a super? It sounds like uh, uh, no. It didn't. Don't he worry, didn't have kids. A cape. Morpho he Man a cape. is here. He didn't have a cape. No, <laughs> he, it just it was a handle in a way for school administrators to know this is this is what this is. This guy does the he morphs uh, into all these. He morphs into music. He morphs into animals. He morphs into characters and tells stories. Yeah. it worked for a while. You know, I got enough. I got a number of bookings. I toured Canada a whole bunch for a few years. That's amazing. It was great because they had an organization there, unlike down here, that was a third party organization that worked with the schools and worked with the artist and helped everyone make everyone happy and yeah. then got money from the government to pay everyone really well. Yeah, the Canadian arts programs <laughs> yeah. are very supportive. It's very different than I, I know. You know. Something that I read on your website is that you 
worked with the Jim Nolman of Jim Interspecies Nolman. Communication, uh-huh. Inc. And I met this guy, Jim Nolman, up on uh, San Juan Island mm-hmm. when I read a piece of his in a magazine about how there ought to be other... There ought to be nature shows on TV that showed people besides scientists interacting with nature. Ah. And I thought, what a wonderful idea. And I like, called up information or something on San Juan Island. You got this number for Jim Nolman, da, 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 and found him, called him up, told him what I do. And he says, come up here. You know, I said, oh, no, I'm coming up to perform next month. I'd like to meet you. And so then he came, we met, and we became fast friends. And he does interspecies music. For about 10 years, he had an underwater sound system, and he would play music in the water when there were orcas nearby. And the orcas started coming up and singing with him. Wow. And changing key when he changed key and then going into rhythm with him. And he was fascinated. He's a writer. He's a scientist. He's a shaman. He's a musician. He's an artist. Um, He's outside the box, and yet he's respected in scientific circles for his work with acoustics and whatever this work is that he's been doing. Um, so we took this show inter- about interspecies communication to Helsinki, where he had a friend, and we took it also to a conference in Belgium and performed it at this uh, international cetacean research conference. Did you play the role <laughs> of the, the whale? I played the role of the other species, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. other species he, that... He's got the good gig. So he's, he's, he's like, like, he's, so he's like yeah. hey, I'm a scientist, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more... Uh, Sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, all about eating. Yeah, Who's going to eat who? It could have been about that. I was, I was working with this big uh, cow pelvis <laughs> mask. <laughs> you just said it was more sophisticated. <laughs> which, which looks like a huge, you know, you put it on and it looks like a huge horned beast. And yet it's the hip bone of yeah. a cow. Yeah. So uh, it creates a wonderful other to interact with on all fours, you know, and he plays his little flute or something as well. Oh, wow. Finland is a fascinating, they, they, they have a history with shamanism that's much more recent than we do. We were on Good Morning Helsinki TV, and the morning before us, they have a story hour, and they have the shaman in his yurt beating a big drum, telling shaman stories, myths. Wow. To the little Finnish children. Wow. <laughs> this is a different <laughs> TV thing, different culture. Well, it's interesting to see how differently arts is received and different ideas are transmitted in different cultures. Because mm-hmm. here it's very sort of vanilla, very it can sort of... Be. There's, there's a lot of flavors and there's, and there's so many different audiences. And the, the Moisture Festival audience is so lively because there's, especially midday, there's so many kids in it. Yeah. Um, and it changes really fast, uh, and it's such a treat for me to be able to, given permission, to just go play yeah, with them, off right? of them. And you have and all the things at your disposal, yeah, right? Like I it's like a, a band. Mm-hmm. You got like I the, could use the band. I really should you tr- practice using the band more, but I never go to band practices to get to <laughs> them. Otherwise, we could have them come in for a song or something yeah. like that. But it's a treat to watch you, you know, because you know we've been performing at the Moisture Festival for a while and mm. you know it's like it's all generally like comedy based care mm-hmm. you know and you mm-hmm. are just like something totally you're different. an island something, yeah. you know it feels it feels like that sometimes I feel way too off like why am I really here this is doesn't fit at all other times <laughs> I'm thinking no this is exactly why you're here yeah because, totally because uh, yeah. it is yeah. vastly mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. and I yeah. think that's what's cool about yeah. the Moisture Festival is it, any 
set show can be drastically different just yep. you know based off yeah. what you decide to do or mm-hmm. how the the order of the show goes we're lucky to have you be lo- so local and uh, be able to come yeah. and do yeah. it yeah and you teach workshops currently with i'm teaching um something that i do in my more of my uh i don't know, dance pastime uh it's contact improvisation i was just going to ask you so um Contact it's, improvisational mm-hmm. jazz. What is it? It's it's a it's a dance improv movement form. Rarely voices used. Rarely do people use music with it, though. Sometimes they do. It involves a point of contact between two or more bodies, and then leaning weight into that point of contact and letting it begin to roll across the bodies. And then you're dealing with momentum and gravity and bodies falling and trying to keep each other safe and lifting each other, falling together. It's like dolphin play for humans above the water. Um, men dancing with men, women dancing with women, five people dancing together. It's been, it came about in the early 70s, mid-70s. Uh, a modern dancer who'd done a lot of Aikido, Steve Paxton, worked with a bunch of uh, other dancers and came up with the ideas, the concept of this form, and it has spread all over the world in the last decades. You can go, I went to, was in Tokyo, performing in Tokyo, and looked up local contact dancers, found my way to a jam. So there a you local are. local contact dancing yeah, jam. It's a jam. It's a jam. <laughs> they call them jams because people go there and improvise. Yeah. And, and you just show up and there's complete strangers. They might not speak the same language, but you know how to do this. And the idea together. is that you and a, a partner, yeah. you start you, with a you, point. You start with a point chest, and then fingers, chest, fingers, face. shoulders, back. And you never lose the contact. Oh, you might lose moving. it, but then it can, you can regain contact. But it's yeah. fluid. It's not, it's not one static spot. It's not like we're always at the elbow. No, no. You're trying, but it, there's times where it might get static. When you're lying across someone's back on your back and it stretches so good, it's like mutual massage. And you might choose to just stay there for a while because <laughs> both of you are going, oh, yeah. yeah. So I teach um, contact improv fundamentals at Velocity these days, uh, Sundays just before the jam that I run in the Sunday afternoon. That's great. movement jam. I would love to see the faces of the onlookers in <laughs> Japan of this. When I come in and I pick them up and push them against yes. the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> All these little people. Because <laughs> you are a tall guy. I'm You're a tall guy. I'm 6'5". Six, six, yeah, 6'5". Six, so uh, I like to think of my... Sometimes when I'm dancing with people, I can imagine I'm really... I'm not... I'm just a normal-sized person. <laughs> do, you, do you come in and, and not do your... Uh, T-Rex, but do you do like Godzilla in Japan? <laughs> no, I didn't. It... I did. I mean, in the school shows, I totally did, you know, did what I needed to do. In contact improv, you just get to sort of forget all that, and then you just go into this other uh... language with people. You and do you also teach workshops or theater at Seattle University? Um, I just resigned from that. Okay. But I taught there for probably 15 years or more, uh, movement for actors, and then I taught an improv what is it called? Improvisation in Art and Life class for freshmen and beyond, which was really fun just to introduce them to various improvised art forms, give them a chance to practice them, go out and see them in the local arts community, write about it, try and figure out what what they're like when they, what their fears are around doing it. Anyways, it was a, a very fun class to Are do, you but, a professor, Swenson? Um, I, people would call me professor. <laughs> was that no. uncomfortable for you? <laughs> I got used to it. Okay. But yeah, no, they usually end up calling me or by my first name. Adjunct professor? <laughs> I was a lowly adjunct <laughs> for many years. If people want to find information on you, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube, christianswenson.com. No, Is it's it? humanjazz.com. Human jazz. Human jazz. Human jazz. Com. Com. 
and probably Christian Swenson Human Jazz would come up with some other videos. I put some on the website. Otherwise, you can search some out on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, and you also have a a record off road uh, vocals. Yeah, I have a. I did a. Uh, I got a grant at Jack Straw Studios to record a solo voice album um, back in two thousand, and it was a wonderful chance to just not have to do anything with my body and just sit in front of a microphone and dream out loud <laughs> and have the engineers record this and then let's try this and oh, let's cool. try it with some this effect yeah. here and play with that. And, oh, yeah, I imagine. It was, it was I imagine you're fun. a dream for a sound engineer, It was right? really fun. I do spend uh, one of my, my uh, pastimes is to go alone into some hollow stairwells and sing and uh, reflect and get like a vote make give myself a vocal bath. I wonder also how many freaking out the Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. You when people walk through to get to their cars. How many people like, are like <laughs> getting on the sixth floor going down like no you know it's happening. You know it's happening. And I'm able to sort of sometimes go from really weird stuff to suddenly sounding like a normal song in a instant. Oh that's cool. Yeah that's always fun. So I saw that you do integrated music programs at hospitals. Uh huh. I, I have done those in the past. There was part of a, something called the Lullaby Project, I think. We worked at UW Hospital and at Harborview. My friend Gina Salah, beautiful singer, she and I would go in. Sometimes Gina would bring a guitar, but usually not. Usually we would just show up and we would have a Rise Up singing book and maybe a few other songs. And we would just come into patients' rooms and say, oh, cool. Would you like some music? I'm going to like to sing for you. And they would maybe say, you know, maybe something by the Beatles. So we would go, sure, and we'd <laughs> improvise our way through Blackbird. Or oh, wow. Do something. And, um, so it was less human <clears throat> jazz and more traditional singing. It was more traditional singing. Sometimes we would just improvise. There were times you go in and there's a person just on a respirator. He's unconscious and lying there, and we just, we just sing. Wow, and that's just, amazing. It's, it was amazing. It was amazing to be with a man who's just had a brand-new heart like days before, put in, and his family is there, and you come in and you sing for them, and all of them start crying. And wow. Crying. Mm. That was a whole other yeah. kind of level of performance that I had never experienced, that kind of private, really intimate wow. performance. It sounds like you you have really covered a wide array of places to perform, people you've performed for mm-hmm. and with. Yeah, You've sort of yeah. done every sort of type of show and aspect of performing that there is it's pretty it's a, a, a pretty a full career things. i don't juggle though. i was just yeah, gonna well, say how many balls can you juggle i don't <laughs> think you're missing much i no, think, uh, no. I think you, you skipped but there's, the... it's uh it's it's been a, a wonderful four decades or whatever when i was developing the more serious aspects of this work i remember thinking well i'm a here i am a straight white guy trying to push myself into the new performance community, into sort of the on the boards, you know, the stuff that's doing the avant-garde performance Mm. community. And I'm thinking, no one's really going to be interested in what I'm doing. Mm. And I had to sort of accept that and go, well, but I know family audiences, kids' audiences will eat this up. And so I won't won't waste my time really trying to chase down high-end, the high art world, avant-garde art world, though I've had opportunities to go into that and go here and there and... Loved it, and yet the bread and butter has been touring, touring yeah. schools, family shows, community shows all over. And in 40 yeah. years, I would imagine you've gotten messages from people that saw you back then and said, hey, I didn't understand what the hell you were doing then, but now, 15 years later, it 
connected. And, you know, you, I, you I run into people, you hear from people. I mean, you get these wonderful packets of, you know, drawings from children, oh. first graders that are just so delightful. <laughs> they draw you doing something yeah. and them doing you know. Um, and then to do workshops with them after the shows and just uh, really cool. connect. It also was so much more gratifying than the little bit of TV commercial work I did back in the early 80s for Sea Galley restaurants and where then you start trying to get more commercials and you get a lot of money What'd you for do for it. Sea Galley? Crab legs. You were you? I was Mr. King Crab. <laughs> Sorry. <I didn't. laughs> there's there's <laughs> one left in Yakima. <laughs> oh, I know. I went there once. And, uh, but it was, it, it, uh, I could have I could have tried to chase down more commercial work, but it felt so demeaning. Mm. The whole meat market of it. Yeah. Oh God. Mm -hmm. I said no. I'm much more happy performing with real people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's amazing what you do, and uh, thank you for being part of the Moisture Festival. Yes. Thank mm -hmm. you for coming to the Moisture Festival podcast. Yay! Studio podcast <laughs> studio. <laughs> you two guys. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the Contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hale's Ale. <laughs> That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called the Odd and Off Beat Podcast. That's where we talk about strange news stories of the day. You can hear us chat about all things weird. Absolutely. You can do that at oddandoffbeat.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out about us individually, where we're performing at, you can find Louie at louiefox.com, and that's with two X's. And Matt's at comedystuntshow.com. That's spelt regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening, so much for your time, and we hope to see you at the Moisture Festival soon. Be well. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.